We are New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. A community church in the city of Chicago, all over the city, for the good of the city. Right now, we are in the midst of our series, What Happens? A look at what happens when we put God and His plans first in our finances. Wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message. As I was kind of preparing for the sermon today, I came across a story about a man who um, woke up in the morning, he had a heart attack, had a heart attack. His family rushed into the hospital, and it was quite severe, so much so that they said, hey, you need to be very careful not to get too excited, to interject. So don't let any of those crazy family members in there that are like too high energy, which I wouldn't be allowed in there, right? But uh, maybe some of the quieter family members, one at a time, and just kind of try to keep him calm for a few weeks because his heart is really unstable at the moment. So I said, okay, okay. So they were for the next couple weeks, they were trying to make sure that they stayed calm and quiet around him. But unfortunately, while he was on this bed rest in the hospital, his favorite uncle passed away. And on top of that, they were trying to figure out how to break that news to him. On top of that, his uncle had left him a million dollar inheritance. So they're like, okay, which one of us is going to break this double news to him and just kill him, right? So they were like trying to figure out, and they said, you know what? Let's get the pastor to do it. He knows how to like break things like hard news and like make it nice and gentle. And the pastor agreed. So he goes in there. And he's just kind of like talking to the guy, trying to just have conversations, slowly bring things up, you know, and eventually he gets to the point where he says, what would you do if you had inherited a million dollars? The guy's like, oh, that's a good question, Pastor. He's just sitting there thinking, he says, you know, I think I'd probably give it to the church. (laughs) Pastor? Pastor? Are you okay? The pastor had died of a heart attack. (laughs) This morning we're finishing our series called What Happens? What Happens? The series we've been going through that has everything to do with money. Now everybody go, (gasps) Yes! Your worst fear is confirmed. The church is talking about money. And you can leave confident that that's all the church talks about. No, that's not all we're talking about, okay? You came on like the one Sunday or three Sundays a year we talk about it, right? But before you lose it and form a concrete opinion about our church or the church in general, let me tell you that I agree with you. Your like automatic gut reaction is the church just doesn't know how to handle money because... Just like you, I've either heard or experienced about the traveling pastor who goes around and says, hey, if you give me this amount of money, I promise you, you will experience this large amount in your future. And then he drives away in his private jet, right? Um, or, or how priests and spiritual leaders have promised a ticket to heaven if you give X amount of money, right? Heard these stories. Or... Or even on top of that, how you go into some churches and they look more like a shopping center with like their own Starbucks and McDonald's before you come into the service, right? We don't have that problem here. I mean, look at the wonderful decorations from the cafeteria, right? You know, we've all seen or experienced that. It's no wonder 
that we have such a hard time with the church and money because the church has not handled it very well. Humans have not handled money very well. And on top of that, we can focus on how much it affects us personally, how much we have a problem with money. The fact that if you have a divorce, the leading cause of divorce is, is financial problems. One of the leading causes of anxiety and depression is financial issues. And on top of that, if you live here too long in this country, you will probably be buried by credit card debt and student loans and not be able to get out from under that until you're 65, right? I mean, there's so many things that just kind of touch us and hurt our hearts to hear about this. So instead of focusing on all that, I want us to focus on what God has to say about money. Because believe it or not, in this book, God says more about money than prayer, heaven and hell, and faith combined. There's more verses on money in this book than all those things combined. And so just because humans have messed it up so badly, I don't think it means that we shouldn't talk about it, right? Yeah, amen. Amen. <laughs> like, no, we shouldn't talk about it still. Well, that's why this series. I want to readjust our thinking on what it means to think about money. We started a couple weeks ago talking about what it means to trust God with our money. Brennan, last week, talked about planning for retirement. If you missed that, go back. It's not what you think, right? And today, I want to come at money from a different angle. An angle, it may surprise us, but I think it'll help us so much because... I want to talk about a topic, a word, really, that we throw, a lot, throw around so easily in the church. Throw around so easily, and we probably don't really understand what it means. I want to talk about what happens when we're blessed. Blessed. All right? So turn to your neighbor and say, blessing. Blessing. Yep, you got it. So if you have a Bible or a tablet or a phone, turn me to Numbers 6. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. Numbers 6, 24. Go ahead and look this up in your Bible. Powerful passage you may be familiar with. Um, especially since we read it just like 10 minutes ago. Uh, it says this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. How many of you have heard that verse before today? These verses before today. You're like, anybody heard the song? They even made it into a song. Right? Yeah. The Lord bless you and keep you. Right? I won't even keep going for it. But that, that song is from these, these scriptures. Right? And have you ever thought about what it actually means to be blessed? I mean, we live in a culture where, you know, hashtag blessed on your social media posts is a way to brag about everything you got, right? Like, hashtag blessed in my new car or my family or whatever it is, right? And on top of that, we've got all these cultural references that kind of mess us up with understanding what blessing means. Like when someone prays before a meal, we call it a blessing, a blessing right? Or when you say goodbye to someone in like the Christianese, you're like, God, God bless you, right? Or if I were to go, what would you do? No, you'd be like, COVID, right? No. So this morning, it may seem like a detour 
from our money series, but actually has a lot to do with how we think about money, this term, blessing. So I'm going to ask three questions to guide us, starting with my first question. Profound, I know, what is a blessing? What is a blessing? Nice and simple. Blessing is one of those words where you're just like, yeah, it just means the blessing. You know, it's like a blessing. It's a blessing. And so, you know, you don't actually know how to define it. And when I read those words or you sing a song, you know, may the Lord bless you. And you start to think like, I don't even know really, I guess. I have maybe like lots of money, you know, or something. Check out the dictionary. Blessing means God's favor and protection. God's favor and protection. That was in the dictionary. I'm surprised. Uh, Sounds pretty good. It also lines up with hashtag blessed, right? When you feel that way. Because we all know that if I'm blessed, it means not only do I have an amazing marriage and great perfect children, but I also have a body like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? And unlimited money. Like that's what it means when we are blessed. And isn't that what we mean when we sing over each other, the Lord bless you and keep you, right? You're like saying, I just pray that you get a great future with a great marriage and unlimited cars, right? But this is, is that what God means when he promises to bless us? If you look at the Bible, there actually is a part that seems to look that way. This first part, you know, they call it the Old Testament. It's like... Not even half, it's like the big chunk of it, right? The Bible is the Old Testament. And it's all about this group of people that God chose as his own people and kept chasing after them, despite all their failures, inconsistencies, all the times that they would mess up and run away from God. And he even gave them rules to follow in order to live the hashtag blessed life. Okay? The Ten Commandments, we went through it this summer, these like ten rules. Do not murder. Do not steal, like all these fun ones, right? And then right after that, he says this. Deuteronomy chapter 5 says, So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. It's right after the Ten Commandments. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. That sounds like a blessing, right? So that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. If you read this whole beginning section of the Bible, you see over and over again that when people followed God, obeyed his commandments, they had prospering and prolonging and all these great things. They like would win victories and they would have more land and they would have more money and like, all this great stuff. The exact kind of things that we love to see. So we sing alongside them, the Lord bless you and keep you, right? Because that's what we want, right? We want to live long and to have lots of stuff. That's a like, blessing, right? Anybody with me? No? They're like, no, we don't want anything. <laughs> right? And it sounds great. Right? Sounds great. It's in the Bible, so we like want to name it, claim it. Like, that's what I believe about the Bible. I'm going to take this, claim it over myself. Here's the problem. That first section, that big first section, was written to a very specific people called the Jewish people. Right? Israel. And you see... We're not Israel. 
I mean, some of you may be Jewish in here, but the majority of us are probably not Jewish. And not only that, but even if you are Jewish, you're probably not following this section of the Bible, right? Or did you sacrifice a lamb this morning? <laughs> That's tomorrow, I think. <laughs> yep. Uh, and you maybe ate some like shrimp or bacon on the weekend, you know, like you know, none of us are following the dietary rules, the civic laws, the sacrificial laws that were specific to the Jewish people. And we read this book as if the first half exactly applies to us. I'm not saying that it doesn't apply to us. There's definitely like things that apply to us. But you have to understand the context of what that first part was written for. And let me tell you, take a lot of good things, and it, you know, and it's so great to read this story, but eventually the Jewish people broke their faithfulness to God and their blessed life shattered apart. They were taken captive. They experienced a lot of pain, lots of trauma. And there was like, between this book and like the, the second part of the Bible, there's like 400 years of like nothing until this man came on the scene named Jesus. Jewish man named Jesus comes and he starts to shake things up. He starts to show how God's plan all along wasn't just for the Jewish people, it was for the whole world. And this second part of the Bible takes this first part and reinterprets it in the larger context of God's plan for the whole world, including what it means to be hashtag blessed. Okay, you following me, everybody? Look at Jesus' teaching. This is, this is where he starts to flip things on, on its head. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be fulfilled. Will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Here we go, getting to verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hear this. Jesus says, blessed, you're hashtag blessed when people persecute you. Hmm. Verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So when I say, may the Lord bless you this week, Becky, I'm hoping someone runs into you and just insults you. Because you will be blessed. Right? Is that what we mean when we're like, man, may God bless you this week, right? May God, may, may people say falsely all kinds of evil against you, right? But then for God, what Jesus says is, you are blessed if that happens to you. <laughs> Rachel, you are the only one. <laughs> Amen, right? We do need a rethinking of it. You're right, right? Jesus takes what we would think is blessing. Normally, that is not what we would think of blessing. And he starts to flip it on its head. Here's what he flips. The early section of the Bible, we have all these verses where the Jewish people were related specifically to God, getting blessings from God if they did right things or wrong things. Right? But when Jesus came, he relocated the blessing. Right? 
for the, for the beginning part, you have the Jewish people. If they do all the right and wrong things, they get this physical kingdom. They get all these like physical blessings and money, all this stuff. And then Jesus comes and he says, I'm relocating the blessing. He starts to say, you can be blessed, but not have any money. What? I don't like this anymore, right? Jesus says you can be blessed, but also be insulted, persecuted, and mistreated. Jesus says you can be blessed despite your circumstances. Messes, messes with us, right? Messes with us. What is happening? As you follow the story of the church, you start to see all these people that passionately follow God did not look hashtag blessed on our Instagram, right? Like, and not only did Jesus and all the apostles get murdered, talk about blessing hashtag blessed right but the early church was in a constant state of persecution and most of the people in the church had almost no possessions and were surviving by faith alone but these very people would claim to be the most blessed of all in fact god says they were he says he says this uh when when the, the prophet John the Baptist came and foretold about Jesus. This prophet who is following all of the Old Testament stuff. He's the last Old Testament prophet. He's foretelling Jesus right there. He's saying, hey, this is Jesus, the Messiah. Look at what God says. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he all of a sudden, God says, you can follow the old way, but no one up to this point has even been as good as John the Baptist. And anyone who follows Jesus into the kingdom of heaven is greater than all of this. That is the new way of walking in blessing. He starts to redefine blessing as this, being adopted as a son or daughter of God. That's what blessing is, right? Having full satisfaction in God. That's what it means to be blessed when you're fully satisfied with God despite all the stuff. Or having an eternal kingdom that cannot perish. And you see, that's the ultimate blessing. And in fact, as I was researching this, you know, the New Testament has 112 times that it uses the words blessed, blessed, or blessing. 112 times. Guess how many times those words are connected to financial blessing? Zero. None. Right? Like the beginning, it's all like you will have land and prosper and all this. And then it's over here. It's like you will die and like not have anything. Right? But it says instead the blessing will be somewhere else. Right? Remember, look at look where this says again. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. And again, Jesus says in Luke 11, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Or Paul, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. 
The book of James, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. And in the book of Revelation, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed are the dead, right? Do you hear this? If they die in the Lord, they are blessed. Is that the opposite of what we just read, right? Of what blessing means. We were like thinking like blessing means long life, prosperous land. And he's like, no, blessing is if you die and you are in Christ. All of a sudden, blessing gets flipped on its head. Instead, we start to see that the word blessing seems to imply something beyond financial and material blessing. Right? Something beyond even a long life. What is a blessing? Here's a great definition. As I was kind of like pondering something to just like summarize it. Having satisfaction in God and His kingdom. I want you to pause. Just read that again. Having satisfaction in God and His kingdom. I'm talking about full satisfaction where if you were to lose anything, whatever it is you think is the most important thing in your life, a family member, financial possessions, inheritance, land, property, nothing at all is left. Are you fully satisfied in God and His kingdom? Because I'm telling you, this is not my opinion. It's actually, I'm reading like all the blessings in the New Testament again and again and again. It has nothing to do with the gain here on earth and everything to do with the eternal kingdom. Everything to do with the presence of God. Everything to do with eternal relationship with God. Especially in this culture, it's so hard for us to just accept that. So I'm telling you, it's what aligns with it's what aligns with God's words in this book. Right? God doesn't promise financial blessing. He doesn't even promise you that you'll get a place to live. Right? He doesn't promise you a certain amount of followers. Right? He, he doesn't even promise that you'll always be free of sickness. There's no amount of good things you can do to twist God's arm to make that happen. So that's not the blessings that he promises. But what is the blessing that God wants to give us? His ultimate goal for our lives. We are blessed when we have satisfaction in God and his kingdom. And I seriously talk with people all the time. We're like, man, how do I get peace? Some people have the most stuff in this world. There's always something that has more, right? But you have enough. And you're like, I just don't have peace. I don't feel content. Sometimes we're trying to find our satisfaction in something else. We don't feel like we're blessed. Right? Because we're letting the world tell us what blessed is. Not what God tells us being blessed is. And that's what these words are. They're supposed to realign our minds, our hearts, our souls to the truth and reality of, of life. Right? Of how God created us to be. Which brings up a second question. Number two. How do I get a blessing? If we're redefining blessed, how do I get it? Because it seems like the Old Testament had all these rules and you know things that say, do this, don't do this. And so is that what it means? Like I need to like just follow this, like hardcore. And of course, that's what you look throughout everywhere. That's what we do, right? It's like, I gotta like live my life perfectly, do all these things. And you have to start off, 
I'm just going to, you may know, some of you may know this, but I'm just going to like re-emphasize it. And for those of you who don't know it, you need to hear this. And all of us need to hear this. We need to know that nothing, nothing that we can do that way is how we approach Jesus, right? That is not the way that we approach Jesus. So you have to know that's not how you approach Jesus. The Bible tells us the greatest blessing, the greatest blessing you could ever receive was... Yes, Jesus. And he cost everything, but it was free for you, right? Free 99 was Jesus' death on that cross for you. It cost him everything, cost you nothing. You can't. It's not like you have to do enough good things to be able to receive Jesus. Look at look at um, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the... Yeah. The gift of God, not by works, works right. so that no one can boast. It's a gift, not something you can attain by doing enough good or bad things or cutting out enough bad things, right? But maybe we have to do a lot of good things in order to keep it, right? Okay, I'll take it for free, and then do I have to keep like doing enough good things in order to keep Jesus? And this verse is so powerful to me, Romans 8. 38, and Paul is talking to some people that are, are questioning whether or not, that, that exact question, whether or not we can contain or hold or keep our salvation. And look what he says. Go, go to Rome. Do I have it on the Romans 8? For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you see how Jesus flips everything? Right? Like most of the time you're like feeling like blessed, I gotta do enough good, bad things, not do enough bad things, not do enough good things, whatever, to be able to get blessed. And Jesus flips it all and he says, nothing you could do or not do could take away the greatest blessing that you could ever receive. When you believe by faith that Jesus died on that cross and was resurrected by God's power. And when you believe by faith that your soul is also resurrected and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside you, when you believe that by faith, it is freely given and will not be taken away despite your worst actions. It's true. It's true. Nothing you can do or not do can take it away. See, we operate so much in this mentality that we have to earn something. Do enough good things, bad things, and that's how we get blessed. And Jesus comes and he flips it all upside down. I mean, we, we even then take that and carry it into our Christian lives, right? How, how do I live the right way? And believe me, the Bible tells you a lot of things on how to live the right way. But we do it out of guilt or shame or fear, right? We're afraid that we'll get punished, so that's why we do all these things. Instead, let me tell you, that's not living the hashtag blessed life that Jesus talks about. Instead, he talks about having the opposite motivation. Right? He talks about because you've been saved by God, because you received this free gift, because the Holy Spirit's living inside of you, you will start to desire to do good things. You now have purpose and motivation to live a certain way. And you know, a huge part of our walking out our faith is walking towards Christ, right? Like being made more and more into his image, being made more and more holy, allowing the Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out. And that's where this blessing starts to come in. Just because we're saved by faith, right? We're saved by faith. God rescued us 
it, 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 even though it's, it's not dependent on how many good works we do, it doesn't mean that He doesn't want us to live better. Right? He wants us to be transformed. He wants to save us and then keep saving us day by day, slowly making us into His image. In fact, the Bible tells us that if you surrender your life to Jesus, it will change the way you live. You will start to live. And in fact, it even says that if you surrender your life to Jesus and nothing changes, then maybe you didn't actually surrender your life to Jesus, right? That's what it says. But we flip it around. We're like, okay, well, I'm doing enough good things, so now Jesus loves me. No, no, no. We surrender our lives to Jesus when we're broken and messed up. And because of that, His Holy Spirit comes in and helps us start to change. Right? We have to get this right because this is how God starts to, to flip what it means to be blessed. Right? And there's a, there's a way of receiving these blessings, a way that honors God with your life. When you start to walk in line with the scriptures, you start to say, man, that is how I want to live. When you start to experience those blessings, you start to, what we said about blessings, have satisfaction in God and His kingdom. We start to have satisfaction in God and His kingdom alone, right? God has to flow it in that way, though. You have to believe in Jesus, accept it. Because of that, it starts to transform you into Christ's image. And then you start to have satisfaction in God and His kingdom. That's the way it goes. If you try to go the opposite way, it's going to get all messed up and we got all kinds of random cults and all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, even in here, like some of us are so messed up on that process, right? We try to flip it. Try to flip it, but it has to flow that way. That's the blessing that Jesus talks about. So this brings me to my final question. What does money have to do with all this? Right? Because we've gone on a tangent here, right? Right? So I was preparing, I just felt like, man, I realized we have a really bad biblical understanding of blessing, of what it means to be blessed. And in order to like rethink our money, we have to rethink where the blessing actually sits. You following me? In order to rethink our money, we have to rethink what it means to be blessed by God. Right? Because unfortunately, those things are way deeply connected in our minds, subconsciously a lot of the times, right? And the blessed, you know, hashtag blessed thing and like just a general cultural, you know, consumerism, all this stuff, which drives us in so many ways more than we think, causes us to believe that that's blessed. But when we start to realize that we're saved by faith alone in Christ, it starts to flip our mentality. When we start to want to live a life of obedience and fulfillment in Him, then we are blessed. We start to feel that blessing. We start to feel that satisfaction in God. It really redefines our lives, which then starts filtering into our money. Think about this. Think about this. If this is God's goal for your life, that whole process I talked about, what do you think is why Jesus spent almost half of his teachings talking about money. It's true. If you didn't know, if you didn't hear me from a previous message, almost half of Jesus' stories have to do with money. Strange, right? Or did Jesus know something that we don't know? <laughs> I tend to think Jesus knows more than me a lot of times. And he, he talks about money... I think so much because he knows how much it's tied to our lives. Where our heart goes, right? He tells that. He says, where your heart goes, where your treasure will be. He knows that, and so he talks about our money so much. 
Because it's like our our like guiding ship, you know, that little like charter ship that brings big boats in. Like that's what it is. We're like, oh, follow that, right? Like that's how money is. And so God's like, hey, you have to start rethinking your finances, your money, because that actually comes in line with being satisfied with God and his kingdom. If blessing means being fully satisfied in Christ alone, despite my circumstances, if being blessed means having satisfaction in God and his kingdom, how does that change the way we view our money? I think it looks like this. We stop looking at how much money we have as a sign of blessing, and instead, blessing flows out of how we use our money. Okay? Let me say it again. We stop looking at how much money we have as a sign of being blessed. And instead, blessing flows out of how we use our money. Again, blessing meaning having satisfaction in God and his kingdom. So three things I was just thinking about as I was reading through all of his parables. I was like, man, there's so many parables that Jesus told. That's like the word for stories, right? Little stories with a meaning he told. And these three things... I felt like we're like threads that have run through his parables, a lot of them. That it's like, hey, if you want to live like satisfied in me alone, the blessed life with your money, Jesus seems to say over and over again, these three things, giving up control, giving God's way, and giving sacrificially, seem to be at the heart of where Jesus keeps talking about with our money and how, hey, this is going to hit home a little bit, right? I think of for giving up control, I think of the rich young man who came to Jesus and it's like, hey, I've done so many good things in my life, right? What we just talked about, right? I've done so many good things, so I'm going to have heaven. What else do I have to do? And Jesus is like, oh, you need to give up all your money. And it says the young man walked away sad because he had so much and we hear this story, and we're like, yeah, let's just skip that one, okay? <laughs> because clearly God is not calling me to give up all my money, right? Uh, and that may be true. But the question is, are you willing to give up control? you feel a nudge from God to give that money? Maybe to give all of it. Is your hand like this? Or like this? But I see a thread throughout the scriptures, especially in Jesus' teaching of, number one, I, God, have to be in control of your money. That's what God wants. He wants him to be in control of your money because he's blessed you with everything. And he's like, I know what to do with your money better than you do. You actually don't need to go to that restaurant every every night, right? (laughs) He knows. He knows what to do. And really... It's not about amount, it's about surrender, right? Sometimes we want a number, like, how much, you know? Well, how about 100%, right? I don't know. That's what he said to the rich young man, like, give me everything. That's what he said, right? Number two, giving God's way. There's this this passage that's just so powerful in chapter uh, 5 of Acts. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. It's talking about the early church. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. 
For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and poured it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. So as I look throughout the whole entire of the early church, I see that God and Jesus talks about how he plans to use the unexpected vessels a lot of the times. And a lot of times we think we know better what to do with our money. And, you know, and honestly, probably do know a lot better than the person next to you or vice versa. But God sets this precedent of seeming to use his church to reach a community. And I know this is hard to hear, but I remember we were wrestling through this with our small group as we read this passage. And somebody's like, ha Look, they took the money and they went and they put it at the apostles' feet so that it was distributed to anyone who had need. And a lot of the times we have problems with giving to the church because we think, well, the church is just going to buy these amazing screens, right? Like waste all the money, right? Or you go up in the lobby and you see a large 90-inch TV and you're like, why did I spend my money on that? Right? Well, it wasn't your money for one. But number two, even if they're wasting the money, that's between them and God, right? God is calling you to be faithful with the money that he has given you. And a lot of times you may give to someone and they may waste it, right? There's lots of parables about that, okay? But you will get your reward in heaven, right? A lot of times that's our problem. And I see this story, it's like, man, they went and they laid it at the apostles' feet and then it was distributed to anyone who had need. They trusted their leaders to do it. And even if the leaders messed up, they were faithful, right? They were faithful to give. So again, giving God's way. Lastly, giving sacrificially. The story I told a couple weeks ago that Jesus tells. It doesn't, it's not even a story. He's sitting at the temple and he sees this woman come in and drop two coins in in the midst of people dumping tons of money in to the offering. And he's like, whoa! You see that? They did that. The girl just gave the most. And they're like, how much did she give? She give? And he's like, she gave two coins. He's like, no, you don't understand. She gave sacrificially. She gave out of what little she had left to live on, while these other people gave out of abundance. And it shows that God's heart isn't that we just give out of extra we got. Right? It should cost us. I, a couple quotes I love. I read this um, a while back in a, in a sermon, but C.S. Lewis says, I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. If our giving habits do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we want to do, but cannot do, because our giving expenditures exclude them. We should be giving away so much money that we're like, well, I'm sorry, I cannot go to the museum today, <laughs> okay? Like, that's what he's saying. Our giving should cause our lifestyle to change. We shouldn't say, no, I can't give because, you know, I'm trying to pay down this cell phone I bought, okay? You know, you know, and, and I love this quote too from Mother Teresa. She said, if you give what you do not need, it isn't giving. And that's what sits in this, giving sacrificially. It should cost us something. You see this throughout the scriptures. Many more stories that have a lot to say about that. But I just want us to close by allowing this framework to re-guide us in our giving. To re-guide us, especially understanding what it means to be blessed because I can sit up and give you a practical how to budget your money or something I just don't think it's as, as great 
as getting a vision for what God wants to bless you with in your life. And so I just want to invite up the worship team, and we're just going to close with a song as a response that takes those verses and sings them. I want everybody to you to stand with me. We're going to sing this, but sing it in the mentality of what blessing actually means. You have been listening to New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. If you have been blessed by this message, please let us know. Now go and live a new life.